0: wellness force radio. Feelings are essential,
1: but they can't dictate our actions. We literally
2: infect each other with our emotions. We came here for a special purpose. Let the purpose unveil itself. Knowing without doing the
1: same thing as not knowing. They're not just trackers. I'm gonna wear this and it's gonna help me do the right thing.
0: Welcome to an extra, extra, extra special episode. I said extra three times because this is the third round with Mind Pump on the podcast. Now, if you have anyone that's sensitive to curse words, definitely put on earmuffs or keep the kids out of the SUV. But this is gonna be an episode of Truth you're going to love where we go in this podcast, I promise you. We had our first Facebook Live with two guys from Mind Pump, Adam Schaefer, Sal Stefano. We explored so much in this, honestly, badass conversation. I know that's not the scientific term, but if there's a science term for badass, that's what this was. We talked about ketosis, the myths surrounding that. We talked about the intersection of emotional and physical intelligence. Really, some personal notes about Adam's journey what it was like to approach life and training and leadership and masculinity without having that father from the beginning. A couple moments where I almost cried, actually, just feeling the energy swirling in the room in Lake Tahoe. And also Sal's expertise on everything you could imagine, A to Z in health, wellness, nutrition, mindset. There's not much we didn't explore in this awesome conversation, this badass conversation. Too bad Justin Andrews was not around to join us, but look forward to him coming up on a future podcast specifically around technology. I know you guys you're going to love this episode with myself, Adam Schaefer and Sal Stefano live at the Spartan race. And I want to thank Joe DeSena and the Spartan Up podcast, honestly, the entire Spartan race team. Are you guys aware of how big Spartan is? I had no idea that Spartan was as big as it is. Maybe I was living in a cave, but this OCR trend, it's not a trend anymore. It's actually a lifestyle. It's an ecosystem. And we talked a little bit about why people are getting back in tune with that and what this means, this obstacle course racing and just getting back to our primal selves on the podcast as well. Let's drop in for this live in-person episode. Or there's not much we didn't explore with myself, Adam Schaefer, and Sal De Stefano live in Lake Tahoe at the Spartan Worlds. Let's start off by picking your uh, your surname. What is your nickname?
2: Yeah, because we don't. I just realized Our, we don't have a nickname. I for th- yeah. Isn't there rules to
0: nicknames? Don't you you can't give it to yourself, right? Doesn't someone else have to give it to you? I feel like you are Big Country. Big Country. Yeah, especially because we're here in the Brown House. I don't know if, the reason why I can't be
1: Big Country is because I, I know we, we can call him Big Bougie. We had, oh bougie. bougie. What does bougie mean?
2: Like 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 he likes nice things and things that that sparkle. And we talked about
0: this last time we hung out. Like yeah. Your, your shoe fetish. Like you are a dynamic shoe collector. So
2: two times now he's been flagged by <laughs> Flag- security at the flagged. airport. And I, he thinks it's because he's got a big beard. I think it's because <laughs> uh, you know he's suspect. Whatever. But he's been flagged, and so you know they they take your shoes off. They do the whole thing. Yeah. And he wears these hilarious socks that just cover his toes. And go right under, and it's super feminine and hilarious looking. They're on right now, and we make fun of him for it. But Adam is very confident in uh, in himself. And uh, can you show everybody your socks?
1: Uh, they're they're just they're no show socks, lack thereof. Right. So if you're if you're gonna wear a pair of Vans like these with a pair of tapered sweats, that's gonna show my ankle. Yeah, you don't
2: want to do what I do. Although I got the black socks on today. You're
1: okay today. I'm good today. Uh, Thanks. But yeah, no, they're just so. And
0: if otherwise, these actually look like like dancing socks. Yeah, that's for for a fun ballerina. The first time,
1: the first time that Sal had seen these that's (laughs) he thought they were ball they were ballet shoes and so uh yeah no they they made fun of me and gave me a hard time but you know what It looks
2: like he put on my kids sock or something i I didn't i didn't even know these
1: existed for a really long time and uh, you know it used to frustrate me because i love these this style of a shoe but then it only looks good in my opinion when you wear them like barefoot and then my feet would stink and that drives me crazy so uh, I have a lot of shoes that are a uh, very low top that I like to wear, and I don't, I don't always want to wear my s- stylish socks.
0: Let's so. talk about people that wear white socks. What's the deal with that? You have these, the, these quarter the, socks, it's, it's, like people that wear only no, the makes, white oh, socks. No,
2: he makes fun of me for my socks all the time, and I don't <laughs> get it, but then again, I don't get a lot of things in relation to fashion. I just don't. Mm. Well, where did
0: you grow up, man? Like, What was the actual birthplace of Sal DiStefano? Uh,
2: San Jose, California.
0: And born and you, raised you, you you worked with your dad for a while I didn't do my usual research I wanted this to be super organic kind of like how you guys flow
2: yeah um, so um, more fun that way yeah. yeah no I didn't work with him it's just when I was a kid especially in the summer when I was out of school so my dad's a uh, he, did, he works with he's a stone worker so he does tile marble granite um, it, my dad's extremely talented at what he's done uh, does he's done it since he was a child and in the summer when I didn't have school he would take me to work with him so I have lots of experience with this kind of labor, this hard work, and I'd mix cement for him and carry the buckets of cement up. And eventually when I got older, I learned how to grout and do all that stuff. And I, I really enjoyed the time I spent with my dad, but I also learned a very valuable uh, lesson for me. In fact, this is a lesson that for me is one of the core, uh, just, one of, just part of my core. It's a fundamental lesson I learned. It's this right here. I hate working with my hands. I really don't like work on my hands, so uh, that's why I talk for a living on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now, what about you, man? Where were you uh, born? Uh, actually, San Jose, California also, only I'm not born and raised there. I was born there by two years old. My family had moved out of there, and I lived in nine different homes growing up. What? Uh, why? Yeah, why nine? We were uh, We were poor. Um, and I had, uh, I mean, to the point where a lot of times we would get evicted from a house and then we'd have to move to another one. Um, or uh, my dad, my step, or my stepfather at the time, uh, would lose his job or he'd be, he who's a contractor. So, uh, he would do, he'd have a big job for a year or two years, then they would complete the job. And then if there was no work, sometimes we'd have to move. Sometimes we'd move to a whole other state. Like we lived in Colorado for about a year and a half of my life. So I was on the go a lot. Um, they did keep me they were it was nice they I remember when we got to high school that was like a really important thing for my parents, and i'll never forget that for them because they knew they knew that had to be tough for us kids going from school to school, new yeah. friends you know having to start over and those all are time. very formulative
0: years like that's where you bond and create social relationships like that's challenging' well, it's such, a, too, such a great point that you say that yeah and
2: Adam's really good that's something I've noticed about him, and I've noticed about people who've done that a lot when they were kids, his ability to you know, walk into a crowd and then just be comfortable talking to people is incredible. And I think in part because he learned how to do that. Right. I mean, well, am, I, am I wrong? You were
0: socially forged to be the man you are now. Cause that's true. I've seen you
1: operate like you can bust any group up and just be like, hi guys, I'm your friend in 30 seconds. So hundred percent. I agree with that. It took me later in my life to really understand that and put that together. Um, and it, and it makes me I'm a big Tony Robbins fan and I remember watching one of his uh one of his videos and watching him talk and get into somebody and I remember this this video of him getting into this lady about uh what's what was going on with her life and you know she's talking all the oh my dad was this way and that way and she's complaining complaining and uh learning to thank him for all the same things that you are upset or that hurt you and it made me really dive into my childhood and the things that I went through and 100% uh As a kid, I remember it. I remember being new school. Here I am, you know, and starting all over. And I had, I always had friends. And it was tough to go from one school to another school, leave all my friends that I spent the last year or two making, and now I'm in a new place. And I hated that. I hated that as a kid, but it also forced me, like you said, to find a way because I wanted friends, and I wanted to be normal, and I wanted to hang out and do those things. And I played sports, so I was around a lot. Have you
0: always been athletic? Because I know, Sal, you were pretty small. At the beginning of your journey,
2: I was a I was a skinny kid um, growing up. I got tall really quick, so I wasn't necessarily small. But you were I, a hard gainer. I was a very hard gainer, but it's hard to say because I was 14. You know what I'm saying? Like I think all for looking back, uh, hindsight's always 2020. 20, it's like all makes sense now. But as a 14 year old, I feel skinny. I'm lifting weights. I'm not building all this muscle, which is expected from a 14 year old. But at You're the 14. time, I'm like, oh my god, it's not working for me. And so I I pushed my body and constantly tried to learn and grow, but it was all fueled by these insecurities, which later on motivated me to become who I am now with fitness, which is I understand the root, you know, the root, the real root causes of things like obesity and uh, the root causes of the reason why people can't you know, stay consistent with the exercise or they can't find, uh, they can't figure out how to eat right, even though the information's in front of them. Um, and it was, a lot of it's based on some of those insecurities. Mine were just different. And so I learned different, you know.
0: What was like the biggest insecurity that you got to push through? What was that threshold for you?
2: Just being skinny. The worst thing you could ever tell me when I was growing up, and me and Adam share this. Uh, this we're, we're very, very uh, similar in this regard. The worst thing you could ever tell me or call me was skinny when I was growing up and people use that term, not in a negative sense. Like if you're getting lean people, Oh my God, Hey look, you look skinny. You look skinny. It's like a compliment. You might some. as well. Yeah. You yeah. might, it's like you put a knife in my heart when I'd hear that. Like, Oh, or like when I'd go swimming <clears throat> with my family and I'd get my bathing suit and I'd walk out and my aunts would be like, Oh my God, what is it? This? this kid needs to eat some food. He's too skinny. And they, didn't, they meant it <laughs> in a loving way, you know, and they didn't mean it in in a, in a bad way to hurt my feelings, but it really hurt my feelings a lot. And I really took that to heart and, uh, I didn't really face that head on. I became aware of it as an adult and I knew about it. I just chose to ignore it in the sense that I, I, I lied to myself, you know, I'd lie to myself all the time. like, that's not really an issue. Even though all my behaviors to- totally pointed back to the fact that I was still very insecure and I wanted to be the big guy. Like I, I never went on a diet to get lean because why would I try to get lean? I don't want to get smaller. It's always trying to get big. Yeah. I force fed myself. I'd get my body weight up to 235 pounds. I'm not a big frame guy, so I'd be this huge. And how much do you weigh now? Meatball. I'm probably 185, 190, maybe. Okay. Um, I'd be this this huge meatball walking around, but I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I feel big now. I feel comfortable. And I didn't really, I didn't really face it 100% until relatively recently. I want to say there's two things that made me really face it. One was I, I think I was 29 or 30. I went on a camping trip with two of my staff members. One was a physical therapist. One was a massage therapist. But both of them were very holistic with their approach. And both of them really understood this side of fitness. And up until this point, I would known correctional exercise very well. I knew nutrition very well from a performance, fat loss, whatever standpoint. I knew how to support people very well. But I didn't understand some of this other stuff that they would talk about all the time. And we were camping, and you know, I'm I'm doing team building with them, and I always wanted to be a good leader, and so I would, you know, I would engage in what they wanted to engage in. I would en- I would entertain their ideas, and we were meditating after we'd gone on a long hike, and this is after three days of camping, which is very uncomfortable for me. And I think right,
0: we talked about this last time. That's one yeah. of your edges right now. Yes, it's nature.
2: Yes, and I th- I think when you put yourself in uncomfortable situations, you tend to examine things a little differently. So I don't think this would have worked had we not been camping away from things, and I was uncomfortable to begin with. And we're sitting there and we're, we're meditating and it wasn't like nobody prompted me, but I chose to dive into that, that insecurity of mine. And as I'm diving into feeling insecure about this and why do I treat my body this way? And you know, what is, what's the real root of it? And I pictured my son and my son at the time was very young. He's 12 now, so he's probably seven and he is, uh, I mean, my kids, both, are the love of my life. I can't even. There's no words to explain how I feel about my children. And, and parents listening right now can can relate. There's nothing quite like it. And it uh, it showed me what real unconditional.
1: He always likes to true, say that to make me feel like I'm less of a man. True love. Right? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't have any kids <laughs> yet. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, no, I, I think you can he's experience. Like, this is what makes you. Yeah, less. exactly.
2: <laughs> I think you can experience it <laughs> yeah. in other ways. But for me, you personally, can be a father in many different aspects yeah, for, besides children. For me personally, this is this is this. It it's did it for point. me. And I'm thinking of my my son, and I'm and and I'm picturing him, and he's my spitting image. He's probably going to be, you know, skinny and tall and lanky. He's, he, he's very similar to me in his attitudes about certain things. And I pictured him, and then I pictured myself when I was young, and I'm like, holy shit, it's the same thing. Why I can love my son so? I love my son so much, and I could care less about that kind of stuff with him. Like it doesn't even register in my mind where I look at my kid and I think. Why aren't you building more muscle? I don't even think of that, right. but why do I? Why can't I do that for myself? And there was a shift there, a very, very powerful shift in the way I thought about those things. And I started to to actually make some changes, but I held on to some of the ones that I was most dogmatic or, or the ones that I was so connected to that I didn't even realize that those were also issues until my body turned on me and I had some health issues. And then I was forced to really face the monster. And um, uh, it's, it, 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 I mean, I had, I've had more growth in the last, I don't know, eight years than I had yeah. the previous 30.
0: Yeah, and this is what you explore. And I, I talked to you before we recorded. Like my opinion of when I first met Mind Pump, like you were really the one talking about wellness. Not that you don't, not that Justin doesn't, but that was really your driver. It's like, hey, we're looking at the entire system here. This is not just about strength training and fitness. Why do you think that's the case for you specifically? Was it the upbringing? Was it coming from being a heart gainer well, and like more your autoimmune
1: stuff that pro- you had dealt with? I think I was
2: faced. Yeah, I think I was faced with some different challenges than uh, Adam and Justin. Um, i think uh, that's part of it i think we're all a little bit different um although we all um you know converge in terms of our integrity and what we want uh to do with our podcast and with our message yeah and um i mean i learn something from these gentlemen every single day everybody brings a different piece i just am blessed to have that piece that i can offer uh to be able to work with these guys and it makes me feel blessed because um it makes me feel worthy to be working with such incredible people Man, I,
0: I feel so blessed too like you guys were a huge part of me being here so i just want to thank you on the podcast oh, much appreciated. Oh, such such an honor to be up here with these incredible athletes yeah. uh, oh, yeah. health and wellness people that i've respected for so long just to be able to hang out and just to be in the ether of creativity <laughs> Isn't right? it just, great? just to be yep. in there so thank you for that and Isn't it great? one of the people who's in this this beautiful ether was cal fussman and we were sitting at the table and he was like hey go right to the heart with your first question and i want to go to the heart with you man because okay. he, he asked a big one and he said what is the greatest lesson that your father taught you Ugh, and i'm curious god, for you what that oh is. wow you're gonna yeah, you're, you
1: got him get too. ready bro <laughs> yeah
0: let's go there because well, how much does emotional intelligence play into
1: wellness and how much have you had to grow to be oh my able god to you, what just you, asked, need?
2: you just asked adam what do you want what, like his favorite you well, all well <laughs> let's yeah, do
1: this well you obviously don't know then so i uh my my father killed himself when i was seven so he didn't really teach me much so i don't have much memories of my dad but my stepfather, my mom, after – so I had seven years. My, my real father took his life, and nobody knows why. Or at least I didn't know as a child until I got older and then I looked back. So that's how my, my early years started. Then my mom marries into a abusive relationship. So for 10 years, I watched the two of them throwing frying pans at each other, <sighs> cops being called, like all this stuff. So I never really had a really good – male figure in my entire life. But the most the of really good male figures in my life came later, like into my teens and probably like 20 something years old when I started meeting other men like in my profession or like minded people. And my mom really disconnected our family from like my uncles and my aunts and all my cousins. So I didn't even have an uncle or another family member who I really connected to and would give me like this great fatherly advice. So a lot of what, uh, where I am at now in my life, a lot of that self taught. And I've definitely, for sure, pulled so much from all the other men that I've been around in my late like, 20s. And for yeah. sure, 20 to 30 was the most amount of growth as a man. And then from 30 to 35, right now, I think I feel like was the most growth is learning about myself.
0: Man, I, I experience you as a fully present human. Like I never experienced you like disconnected. You're always like whoever you're talking to, you're with them. And that's what I feel from you now. And I just think about what that would be like. I actually did not know that. So like my heart just filled up from you saying that. And, you know, when I was a kid, my dad left home when I was like two months old. And so I never really knew what it was like to just have like the standard mom and dad. I think a lot of people deal with this. How do you guys think that that relates to people gaining weight, not having a safe home base to where there's that existential stress all the time? How many people um, listening can relate to like being from a broken home, not being the victim, but being the victor? Like, I, what do you guys think
2: that looks like? I think that plays a, um, I mean, that plays a massive role um, in who we are as adults and the problems that we end up encountering as we, you know, when something is an issue that you grow up with, it becomes a part of who you are, and you become so unaware of that that um, you can't even examine it. You know, you can't even examine this uh, this poor relationship you, th- you have with food because you don't realize. It's a poor relationship. You're, you're literally in the state of unconscious incompetence where you just don't know that you don't know. But, you know, the, lots of these circumstances can forge you or it can crush you. And you look in Adam's situation. He grew up in, in very, very difficult uh, uh, circumstances at, at, at the same time. Um, he was the oldest of how many kids? Four or five?
1: Yeah, I'm the oldest of five.
2: Oldest of five kids. And so uh, knowing Adam, and I'm on the outside, so I I think I can comment on this, and I know him pretty well, Uh, he latched onto that, and it turned him into a leader and the father figure of his family. So he kind of learned those things because he valued his role in his family. It's
1: it's funny that you made the comment about people can be a father without actually having children, right? Yeah. And it's the hardest thing for people that don't really know how to connect me with like my whole personal relationship and not having kids. Like I'm 35 years old. I've been, I'm been with the women, the woman that I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. I've been with her for six years. Uh, we're not married yet because we have personal goals that we're trying to get and, and collective goals together that we, where we want to be financially and stuff stable before we get married, because it's not that important to either one of us. Uh, And then kids. Kids are a possibility. It's not something that uh, we absolutely have to have. I I would love to have a kid, but I'm okay with not because I feel like I have – uh, been that role for my family my entire life
0: you fostered a fathership relationship in many different areas like what else besides uh being a leader for your family have you done as a father role to help other people i mean in a way trainers were kind of fathers or mothers to clients right mm-hmm. really like they didn't get that when they were growing up so they're getting it from you and adam and, and, and everyone else so right. how, does, how does that work to actually be a father figure in a fitness setting in a
1: wellness setting so i'll tell you one of and one of the proudest moments I ever had and it wasn't uh collecting a trophy or, uh, you know, winning some big game or anything like that. And I've been a part of all those things. I've been a part of winning teams and comebacks and I've had, I've won all, I broke all kinds of records at 24 fitness. So I have all kinds of cool trophies at my house and uh been recognized for things. You sold like the, the most m- body bugs. <laughs> yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. so yeah, exactly. There's all kinds yeah. of cool moments, things like that. Um But, Nothing. And the, I tell you what, one of the coolest moments, uh, going pro, uh, as a men's physique guy, that was incredible, but nothing felt like the day that I'll never forget this day. It was, we we're in a meeting at mountain view, which was the corporate office for 24 hour fitness. Yeah. And our district manager is in there and we're sitting in a meeting and there's 12 of my peers. So they're all, they're all managers, in district manager meeting, talking to us and, Of the 12 individuals that are sitting around the table, eight of them are my guys. Eight of them are somebody that I hired, I trained, I developed, and then I watched them move into leadership. And that was cool.
0: Man, this um, external framework of accountability. I interviewed Gretchen Rubin. I'm an obliger personality. I don't know if you guys have explored this tendency type. Obligers, upholders, questioners, and rebels. That it's about how we operate towards expectations in our lives. Mm. Like, Let me ask you guys this. Do you feel like you operate, it seems like for you, taking care of other people might be a really big driver for you. Absolutely. Uh, so you might be like me. You might be an obliger. Uh, but for yourself, like, do you find like that taking care of others motivates you? Or do you find that inside, you're just self-motivated? You tap into that intrinsic force more um,
2: my self-motivation is driven by um, my bouts of creativity and I call them bouts because they they come real strong and then they go and I've learned to just be okay with it so, and there could be
0: plants or weed involved yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe right? maybe yeah. but there's that I mean that's how which I, can really help
2: uh, well I mean anytime you can alter your your state of consciousness whether it's change your environment uh, change your nutrition um, you know uh, meditate or use you know uh, external substances it can encourage that process for sure, but it can also discourage it. There's a, there's a way to use those, but I, I go through periods of creativity that are just explosions where I can't get enough out of me. And then I go through periods where I don't, I just can't pull anything out, and that's okay. I got to be okay with that. I'm definitely also very motivated though by um, by taking care of other people. This is also something that me and Adam share um, as a common trait. Um, I'm the oldest of four. I very much was uh, the leader in my family uh, in those regards. Um, I just feel that na- that natural is a natural role for me. I don't necessarily crave that role. Um, it just usually is the role that I'm I'm put in. I enjoy doing it. I've, I've managed teams since I was 19. I was managing big gyms, and then I was an entrepreneur at 21 with staffs. And I do feel good in that role. Uh, this current business that we're doing is very interesting, though, because you have. You know, three hosts who, in our own right, are, are leaders. And you know, if you want to label us alpha, we tend to be the guy that tends to lead things. Sure. But now you got three of us, and statistics will tell you that that's a bad mix. You're, you got to have your leader, and then you got to have you know the other people that kind of follow and do whatever. Well, we've got three leaders. We've got three kind of alpha leaders. But we're also older. We're all in our 30s. We're also very mature. I think
0: that plays a big part of it here because it's oh, not like you're 21 sure. or for going sure. fresh out of college. We would, ne- we would never Your hormones <laughs> and your ego are way more expansive then. Like you very guys true. have been through the ringer. Life has yeah. taught you big lessons now.
2: And we all want the same thing. We all want the same thing. We all want to succeed. We all want to change the industry. For the better. We want to make a massive influence. And so we've all, and this is, it's amazing to watch because I'll, I'll be honest, when we first started, I loved what we were doing, but I remember thinking like, I wonder if we're ever going to butt heads, but it's 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 phenomenal in the sense that there's times when I'll lead, there's times when Adam will lead there's, t- lead, there's times when Justin leads and the other two step back and let that person take that role because we know that it's going to be better that way, depending on the situation, depending on the moods, depending on what's happening in our lives. All of us don't have a problem doing that. And so we've developed this incredible dynamic, and um, I really appreciate it. But yeah, f- f- going in at first, I was like, oh, fuck.
1: How are we going to get along? <laughs> I, I, think, I think there's no way that we would have ever ma- made it work at 25 because there was no ex- There's experiences that we had to go through uh, in our late 20s and even early 30s for us all to kind of be in that place to allow that to happen. And for me, I know right away what mine, the reason why it wouldn't work for me because early on in my career uh, a lot of my success uh was because i i made it happen and i did it did because, it come from
0: trust or did it come from aggression and anger
1: um it came yeah there was a chip there was a chip on my shoulder yeah. from being poor not having things wanting things not having a lot of help you know um that i could do this i'll do it i'll figure it out and that was always kind of my mentality so uh i definitely think that uh, i w- was like that in early years it wasn't until my about 27 or so did I start to really learn and started to look at like my team as, okay, I'm trying to make everybody like me and be like me because I'm successful and I I've figured this formula out. And so I was trying to make everybody like me to get all of us to be successful. And it and it worked because I could always get a couple. And because I ran so fast, that's all I really needed was one or two people to, to see my vision and yeah. we would crush and we do well. So I got a lot of, so I had a lot of false success. So I, you know, I'm doing great things and being told I'm great. And so I must know what the fuck I'm doing. So if Sal and I would have met and there's things where we don't, because we don't, we definitely don't always agree. We disagree a lot. But disagreement is healthy too, because we
0: were talking about nootropics a little bit before and we're not going to name any names, but there are studies out there that really take time, like real, like 10 years plus studies. Those haven't been done on a lot of products that are being sold right now. You guys bust a lot of myths on Mind Pump. Oh, yeah. What do you think? This is a huge question. We'll probably have to do like another show on this one question. (laughs) What are the top one to three myths in the fitness space that people really get to know about? no fluff like let's cut right to the point here like what's let's go keto first okay. if you guys are open to that okay. because sure. keto
1: is not for everyone okay. so no. can you please expound upon keto no
2: so uh, ketogenic diets
1: uh, well first share our, how this came about the way we delivered this message because raw fitness truth oh yeah over two over two years ago or it was about two years ago when, when did we have Dom the very first time it was uh, a while ago uh, maybe a year before and a half before keto ago. before anyone even really knew keto right? before we were, he was on the Tim Ferriss show right or? it was early on it was right after that I believe so it was just people are just starting to find out about it and we had known about it and we and i remember we talked to dom and we had a great conversation and at this time i'm eating four to six hundred grams of carbs a day i'm a competitor hey, were you puffy no bro i was fucking look wow i look badass okay Eating which four, is part of the problem so yeah so that's <laughs> where I, that's where i want to go with this yeah. so there's i'm 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 eating 400 to 600 grams of carbs uh, being able to interchange things that I like to enjoy in my diet every now and then and and looking jacked. I'm competing uh, at the professional level in men's physique and I've got these guys telling me like, oh, we should do this keto thing. I'm like, fuck that. I'm, why would I want to do that? It doesn't even sound like a good idea. And I thought, you know what? That's that's not the right attitude. And in fact, just the simple fact that I have that attitude tells me I need to challenge that way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And so I said, All right, let's do this. And Sal was already doing it. He'd already, he'd already committed. He was going it. He was trying to get me on board. And I'm like, Nah, not for me, dude. And it's not my, I have, I've got my stuff dialed in the way I like it. Yeah. I look great. I eat what I want. You
0: re- went through your discovery process of seeing what gave you the results you wanted.
1: Right. Right. So, why, you know, so that was that was the, my way of thinking at that at that time. And, you know, I was like, you know, that's just and I'm a very self-aware person or I try to be, and I noticed that about myself and so I dug into it deeper and said, "Okay, why why do I think that way? Why why not try this? Maybe I'll see better results or maybe I'll learn something new about my body." And so I did. And I tell you what, my body responded unbelievably to ketogenic. Uh, I noticed huge difference in uh, inflammation. Uh, I noticed satiety. I didn't get these cravings that I was having before. I was getting lean easy. I was eating fats and enjoying these great foods. What were your macros? Do you remember? Um, Okay. So when I first did it, um, I wasn't getting enough fat. And I actually, uh, my body was like, this doesn't feel right. I was getting headaches. I felt really tired. Um, It didn't feel right at all. And uh, I remember telling Sal right after, I was like, I don't know about this, bro. It doesn't feel right for my body. He's like, well, where are your fats at? He's like, you know what? Maybe you need to try pushing them up. He's like, that's about where my fats and you were eating so many carbs. You probably just need more fuel and you're not giving your body enough. And I said, okay. So I did. I did adjust. I was up to, I was eating 400 grams of fat. So between wow. 354. Remember, I'm a 235 pound men's physique. I'm, my metabolism is roaring right now. So if you're now.
0: a busy mom working that's 110, do not eat that Yes. Much yes. That. Oh,
1: my God. I have to. Yes. I always got <laughs> to You gotta will
0: tell- be dragging your ass all over the world. Because I, I
1: know people right away are like, oh, that's insane. But I needed to because 200 was not enough. Right, It right. was not enough with that low of car- eating under 50 grams of carbohydrates. And under that for my body and what I was doing to it at the time as far as training. No way. So. I pushed it up to about 400 grams of um, of fats. My proteins were about 120 to 150 on the high end of protein grams of protein, and then a carbohydrates. So I was trying to stay under 50, and all I saw all these amazing results from the ketogenic ketogenic diet. Now, I didn't stay ketogenic forever. I, um, in fact, I now probably eat a diet that's um, kind of. Uh, Paleo esque, I would say. Yeah. Would, we, even though we don't try and label any way of eating it, you right. basically just eat foods without labels, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you know, and I'm not really uh, counting or paying attention. I allow myself definitely to have carbs. I probably eat about 150 to 200 grams of carbs now, but that's a huge difference from a guy that was eating 600. So it completely altered the way I looked at food. And so what I took from that. Instead of saying, oh, ketogenic did all these things for me, it was like, why, Adam? What did I do different? Well, I noticed that all the lower carbohydrates definitely brought down the inflammation in me. The higher fats. Oh, I noticed things, skin, hair. My psoriasis was doing Did you better. notice cognition at all? Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. yeah. Focus yeah. on the, We do podcasting every day. So I have great ways to measure this stuff. And, you know, I, I'll lose train of thought sometimes. And, man, I was way sharper than I'd ever been. And I felt that, and it was a major difference. And so, but what what I know, what was so great, and what we ended up talking about on the show, because as soon as we shared this, all of a sudden everybody started going ketogenic. And I remember telling the boys off air, I said, listen... We need to make sure that this, this doesn't turn into the diet of mind pump. Yes. We're not okay with that.
0: Dietary but, dog mind. Yeah, right.
1: right. So we have some great uh, episodes back around the time around when we're talking about ketogenic a lot because Sal and I would kind of go at it back and forth and I was kind of coming from the carbohydrate side and we and we had good discussion and so people can hear both sides and we both agreed on that, yeah, this is not for everybody and the takeaways from this is to learn about the macronutrients and what it did for my body and so now i'm just more aware now you know my my beginning of my day is basically coffee and lots of fats i never used i was an oatmeal and protein guy like that was how i started every <laughs> oatmeal and egg whites yes. traditional body yes breakfast. absolutely yeah. that was a staple meal for me and it worked well it worked well i felt good i had a great workout because i'd have energy from my carbohydrates I'd, after that i'd be hungry again in two hours so i'd fuel up again and then by new time i'm having an awesome workout so i was everything in my life seemed pretty damn dialed in and good. And I think to myself, wow, how many people feel like that? And because of that, never really get the chance to understand what a different p- macro profile might look for them and how beneficial it be. Or the other spectrum I saw, because I saw such great results from the ketogenic yes. diet, how many people now marry themselves to this, again, dogma of, oh, it's the ketogenic wave. Get the fuck out of here. It's not that. It's because... You probably started eating more real foods. Yes. Got rid of all this processed carbohydrates. You can't eat shit when you're eating keto. It's right.
0: expensive. It's very myopic. Like There's a certain way of eating right, when you're doing that. Now, let's talk about the keto flu. Um, I'm curious about this because I tried it, you guys. It didn't work for me. I'm APOE 3-4. So for the people listening, there's different ways that our body processes fat, specifically saturated fats. So I'm a 3-4. I don't process saturated fat efficiently like an APOE 1 or APOE 2. Yeah. Uh, so keto is truly did really you take a test up on that out. I took a test. Okay. I did my 23andMe. I had sequenced by Prometheus, and they give you really actionable stuff. It's awesome. We'll link that in the show. And notes.
2: here's the thing you, you want to consider there definitely are some general rules with nutrition, like don't overeat, don't eat too many processed foods, you know, that kind of stuff. But when, it, when you get down to the specifics, the individual variants can be quite dramatic from person to person. So I'm going to ask you a question. Before you took that test, how did you feel going keto? I didn't feel good. Exactly. And this is the problem. The data backed up my feelings. The data. Sometimes people want that data, but why don't you? You know, people just listen to your body. Because I got messages from people. Hundred percent. I use. I would get. Me- we would talk about keto, and I'd get messages from people like, "Oh my god, I oh, feel so great." But, yeah. but then we get messages from people who are like, "Sal, I've been trying keto for a month. Uh, I can't. I don't. I don't poop every day." I have low energy. I feel terrible. How long until I start feeling good? And I'm like, stop going keto. <laughs> it's not working for you. Yeah. Listen to your body and switch. Yeah. The other thing you want to consider is the human. The humans evolved uh, during periods of famine, during periods of feeding, during the seasons when – here's the thing. if, when we're, fruit grew, if we're, when fruit We have grew. seasons for a reason. If yeah. Fruits grow. If <laughs> we're hunter-gatherers. And there's all these plants that we can eat. Guess what we're gonna eat? The plants. Why? Because hunting is expensive and dangerous. It takes a lot of energy, and we may die. If there's no plants, guess what we're gonna do to survive? We're gonna go kill some animals, and we're gonna eat the hell out of them. And so humans had this variety and did all these different things. You know, I I'll tell you what. One of the shocking things that I say, and I say shocking because people like when I the first time I said it, I remember I get messages from people like, I can't believe you're saying that. Is I would tell the muscle building world to have a vegan day. Go low protein once a week. And they're like, how could you possibly talk about that? You're going to lose muscle. The funny thing is the science actually supports that. Your body becomes desensitized to anything that you hammer it with all the time, including protein, to the point where more of your protein gets turned into energy and less of it gets used for muscle. But if you go low protein every once in a while, you find when you go back to your higher protein diet, boom, you get those results back. Which, and these are similar. it's good
1: for you. It's good for you to is do the that. These similar mm-hmm. benefits that you get from fasting. It's the reason why we talk about that all the time. That's
2: right. So keto, here's the thing. Especially with saturated fats, there's polymorphisms that if you eat a high a diet that's high in saturated fat, I don't care, it could be as healthy as you want it to be, you're going to have blood lipid numbers that are not going to look good. The polymorphism that you have is one of those. So you could eat keto perfectly You'll go to the doctor, you'll get your cholesterols checked, you'll get your triglycerides triglycerides checked, and they're going to be all over the place. And really all you need to do if you want to stay keto is change your fatty acid profile or – Get out of keto and eat some more carbohydrates or maybe eat more of a plant-based you know, type of diet. Well, let's
0: explore this because there's exogenous ketones like you know, companies out there, and my opinion of exogenous ketones, it's almost like if you have a bad ankle, you consistently wear a brace, you eventually have to get the ankle strong. Do yes. we really need to always have these exogenous ketones no. coming in? No. But, but that's how it's sold in the space. oh of, of course. And this right? Is, right? It, you need ketones every day, you guys. Think like it, let's we, pull back here for a moment. Think
2: about it this way. We, if you're if you're the fitness industry, if you're a
1: supplement we company, called this. Yes. Up. About 150 episodes. We ago. actually said this so would happen.
0: For a single supplement well, that came is, this out. This is first for wellness for so let's really unpack this. Okay, so
1: this. We, and you can. You can go way back in our library and find this. When we first heard about ketogenic, and we experienced it, we did it. The very first thing, and we do this on the show as much as we can for our audience. So We, we
2: like to things. Yeah, so, so, so that we'll we say, look, That we look like we're prophets. So we
1: showed them. <laughs> we told them all about the good, right? This is the benefits. This is why you feel benefits. This is the drawbacks. This is why it's challenging. Because another thing I don't like about keto, it's hard like I caught myself, I if I really w- had would look back and looked at my 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 choices of foods, you know when you when you get into every single day, like you know I started looking and going, man, I'm eating a lot of, of the same foods. Yeah,
2: bacon, avocado, macadamia yeah. because nuts, it, <laughs> because
1: because yeah they're good foods I like them and there's benefits to them but it's the same foods and I know I'm missing out on a lot of micronutrients that I was kind of naturally getting when I was rotating through other foods so we, we called this out as soon as we, we did this one thing, we said you know what you know what's coming next right we're going to see someone attach some sort of supplements that they'll attach to getting you into ketosis because yeah. they're going to sell the ketosis part of this because there's where the benefits are right just like in fasting when we're fasted there's a lot of stuff going on very similar to what goes on when you actually take out all these carbohydrates in your diet so we're going to take that we're going to attach ourselves to the science a supplement will come out to help that and sure as shit here we are today Mm -hmm. with that and the thing that drives me crazy about it is now we are really getting ridiculous and splitting hairs over something yes ketogenic diet is good yes it's good to be in ketosis Should you be? Do you need to take a powder to get there to max to get there sooner or faster or more efficiently than you were before? What are we talking about in the grand scheme of things of your overall health or whatever your fitness? Yeah, not. I mean, splitting hairs. Yeah,
2: and you know what? Again, when it comes to supplementing with ketones, there's definitely some performance benefits that can come from it. Just like there's performance benefits from supplemental. Yeah, but what hydrants. are you
1: doing? What are you doing as trying to be an athlete, right? Yeah. Trying to be an athlete messing around with being ketogenic all the time. Yeah. No, like, but, but you guys you really- most people that are on the ketogenic plan, I would say
0: 90% are people that want to let go of old weights. The athletes are dialed in. Yeah. Right. Like they're using the ketones and everything, but most people just want to like lose the body. No, fat exogenous but, ketones. And they get so they get sold into that program yes. of like take these ketones and you lose weight. And that could not be further from the truth. No, right? ketone- ketones
2: right. actually add calories. So if you're taking ketones, Ketones have calories. Uh, will they suppress your appetite? Maybe they might help suppress your appetite a little bit. But then again, you're looking for an ex- external source of an appetite suppressant. We need to talk about appetite. If we can get it, I, you know, I'd love to get into that for for a second. You know, none of us, most people, don't know what it really feels like to be hungry. Let's just be honest. The average person yeah. has never gone without food for longer than a day, um, and that was maybe when they were sick. So this whole appetite suppression thing. Really, it's not your appetite. You're not really hungry. It's probably emotional. It's probably it's or anxiety or boredom. Uh, so you know, taking something to suppress your appetite, not really a good idea anyway. Um, and I mean, performance benefits. I can see that. Maybe I only entropic, I but-
1: only see it as if you are a dialed in athlete and you love like let's say Spartan where we're at. You love this and you and. You got everything else, right? You're ketogenic, and you just happen to be an endurance athlete because that's not ideal, right? If you're, an, we all know that if you're an endurance athlete, it's not necessarily ideal. Well,
2: if, uh, super for endurance, maybe it's right. challenging
1: yeah. to shift the energy source, right? Yeah. Right. So, and and it still would be more beneficial for that athlete to do cyclical, so to sure. where and actually still utilize. Because even when we talk to um, what's his face, who's a ketogenic athlete, he still uses carbohydrates when he's training. And he's oh like, yeah, the the Zach, the, uh, Zach, Zach Bitter, Bitter, who's the ultra marathon hundred like mile uh, he, record holder. But he cycles
0: record. because everyone gets to cycle. You right. can't eat the same weight forever. It doesn't it's, exist. In
2: fact, it's a good idea. It's a great idea because this, again, this is how we evolved, uh, to train your body or at least let it go through the process of switching energy sources, going without food. But this you can apply on the grand scheme of things. You can apply to allowing your body to adjust to temperature contrasts, You know, allowing your body to adru- adjust to different forms of activity. This is just how the body thrives. It thrives on this kind of variety and you can get very specific and very focused, but you're going to definitely give up some other things by doing that.
0: Well, let's talk about adaptation because you had an incredible transformation in your Instagram, I was like, "This can't be the same person, uh, Adam." I don't know how much weight you lost or how much muscle you gained, but you literally went from somebody that looked like they were managing a Taco Bell to somebody that was like a perfect V that was on a stage, tanned and smiling. Like, well, how the hell well, did I, you do that?
1: I, oh, thanks for all that love right there. Uh, it did take me a little bit did long. Did you manage a Taco Bell? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> I did not manage a Taco Bell. You actually and managed. <laughs> the, the cool part. So the whole thing, and we, you know, Sal shared his like self awareness journey of like we where he said were very similar is we had this insecurity of being the skinny guy forever and i actually never in my life trained to lose body fat until i was 30 years old wow my whole life was dedicated to getting bigger how much hope and inspiration does it give to somebody listening right now oh you let can me- change at any age oh yeah yeah absolutely my whole life i was focused on getting bigger i was never big enough and i was always carrying that insecurity of being skinny or too small And the only reason why I did was I took a two-year hiatus from fitness, uh, and I didn't fully because I was still managing a boot camp business that I had running, but I put a lot of my energy and focus into an opportunity that I had in the cannabis industry, and I was offered a position to oversee multiple locations and be the first of this wave. So I was a part of the first two cannabis clubs in the uh, Bay Area. And so I took a hiatus uh for financial reasons. It was a great opportunity for me to make some money. And I was it was so much that I as much as I was passionate about fitness, I was like, I would be a fool to not do this. It's satisfying Maslow's triangle for sure. Yes. I mean you're there. <laughs> right. We understand. So um that's what happened. And during that time, I was one hundred percent focused on money. I was running my my managing my boot camp business and you know, occasionally working out. And eating like shit. I was eating because I was working 16-hour long days. And I mean, I was eating garbage, fast food, everything. And I just didn't really care because I wasn't, well, I I didn't think I was really getting fat because I'd never been big enough. And actually, I was holding some decent weight. I was like, oh, I was holding around 200. It's always been hard for me to be over 200. It's okay. I'm okay with it. So it didn't even phase me. Didn't even think about it. Uh, but meanwhile, and my and Katrina will share stories of you know she remembers watching uh, just the way my confidence, the way I carry myself, the way I talk, uh, being naked in the in our bedroom together, sure. so sort of that versus turning the lights off, then getting naked, doing things like that, which is not like me. I'm the guy who walks around, and brushes his teeth naked in front of his girl, that type of deal. It's
2: true. I've, I've shared a hotel room with her. <laughs>
1: horrible. So um, this is going on, right? And I'll never forget laying in bed next to her. And I reach over my side to scratch my side and I actually feel my belly. And I never had felt it laying on my side to where there was I had enough body fat to actually hang like that. Mm. I never felt that, ever in my life. And I felt and I remember feeling it and going like, whoa, wow, I'm I'm actually kind of kind of fat. Like that was weird. I've never I've always been skinny, always trying to be bigger, never once ever thought about fat. Never been called fat in my life, never thought I was fat in my life. And I was like, hey, I'm I might be kind of fat. And then I kind of I remember looking at myself in the mirror, going like, "Shit, I don't." And then I took a picture, and I hadn't taken a picture of myself in a really, really long time. Was that the Instagram picture? Yes. No. Yes. So it inspired, um, and at this time too. So there's a lot going on. So kind of give the backstory a little bit so everyone understands. I'd been in marijuana for a while now. I started up these clubs, made good money, did really well, and stuff like that. But really, uh, was not fulfilled. Uh, and I thought that if I was you know, there financially that I would have been. And that was also a great moment for me of learning about myself and money and all that shit, because I was now in a position where, uh, I thought if I was there, I would be complete. And I wasn't, it was very incomplete, probably some of the most incomplete times, uh, of, of my life. And I remember realizing like, Whoa, like I miss health and fitness a lot. And I was like, you know what? I'm coming back. I'm coming back and I'm I'm going to do it right because now I'm in a position where I have enough money that I can just focus on what I want to do and not what I need to do to get by and pay mm. the bills. So I was in a fortunate position now that I had created for myself to uh, pursue fitness again. And I happened to be fat or felt fat. And I, I went and got my body fat tested. I was uh, 19.9% body fat. Uh, and I'd never seen anything near even close to that. I was 200 and... 13 pounds, I believe. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to. And the, the, what motivated me was when I was a trainer in my early 20s, I was always the skinny or the buff guy, ripped, lean guy. Clients used to tell me that, oh, you don't know what it's like to be fat, lose sure. weight. And, you know, it's totally different for us. And I used to hate that. I'm like trying to give them knowledge and we're arguing, but they're kind of right. Like I've never experienced that. So I can't completely relate to them, although I thought I was smart enough to express it. And so I've got people telling me that. um, And for the first time in my life, um, I was about to, you know, I was a guy who felt fat trying to lean out. So I was going to be able to connect to those people. I'm now in my thirties. Clients used to always say to me, Oh, well, you're so young. Like you'll see what happens in
0: your thirties. my friend. You'll
1: see what happens in your thirties. So I'm like, perfect timing for me to show these people what's up like show and this again this is me the chip on my shoulder of always trying to prove myself and here i am i'm going to show the world that um, i know what the fuck i'm talking about and i'm going to take you i'm going to take myself and that was what i said So i'm going to take myself I documented it did a video so i'm going to take myself from the worst shape of my life and i'm going to the best shape of my life and let me tell you i've been a trainer so i've been in good shape i'm going to go to a level i've never been before and so for me, that was anything sub 8% body fat. So the goal was anything below that. And uh, I began documenting it on YouTube and sharing my journey and kind of walking people through the right way to do this process. And the goal was to show everybody, I'm not going to move the scale very much. I'm going to hover around this 213 pounds and I'm going to show you a totally different physique with right around that way. And I ended up, I think, two pounds different.
0: So Wow. So for, for everyone listening, like, throw the scale away because so many people get caught up in that dogma. But I got to ask you, man, like motivation, inspiration, what you did, like motivation wouldn't have been enough. Hmm. You, you had to have had a deeper
1: fire of of inspiration. So What was that? That now you're, now you're dipping into the business side of me, the vision piece of what I was trying to do. I was trying to accomplish something by showing all this too. So at around this time, and Taylor's no longer in the room here now but uh the our video guy uh we have a connection that goes all the way back to him being in his early 20s and me being around 27 or 8 and he was on my intramural basketball team. And i never met him before. We were have mutual friends. And this kid had all this flexibility with his time. And I, at that time, was making really good money in the marijuana business. So I had all kinds of flexibility. And he was always in the gym when I was in the middle of the week and had always a new pair. I'm a sneaker guy. He had sne- always new sneakers on, drive a nice car. I knew he was a really good kid, too. So I knew he wasn't doing drugs, selling drugs or something crazy. <laughs> I was like, what does this kid do? And I remember asking him one day. And he goes, um... I, I sell, I sell um, clothes and things to uh, my Facebook following. You go, huh? He goes, yeah, I have a business I built off of uh, uh, Facebook, like an e-commerce, right? And I'm like, I have heard of people doing this at this time, but I have never met somebody you know, actually that it was successful, like making, and he was making a good living, like making good money. And I was like, man, can we get lunch? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So we set up a date, we go have lunch and we sit down and he shared his whole thing and his process. And to, give the audience what he did that I thought was so brilliant was, if you're a sneakerhead, you will totally understand this. I'll try and make it easy for those that are not. When you got uh, rare shoes, like a a pair of Jordan 7s, um, people like me love those shoes, are willing to pay more than the retail price to find them because they're so rare, and there's somebody out there that has them in a nice box and has never worn them because they know that. And so... Taylor was a guy that had lots of connections in that industry. And he put people together like me where he'd say, Hey, you know, Josh over here has a pair of Jordan sevens. He has them on sale for, th- or he'll sell them for $300, you know, and he would connect us. So he was a broker, right? A shoe broker, a shoe brokerage, a shoe brokerage mm-hmm. for rare type of sneakers. And I had already known this exists, this business existed. And I said, and I knew that it was uh, a, a lucrative business for some people that were good at it. But, What he did that I thought was brilliant and ahead of his time and a visionary was he, instead of uh, just doing that and making a 50 bucks or a hundred bucks on every shoe transaction, he actually didn't make any money. He just was the guy who connected everybody. And so everybody wanted to use him. He wasn't making any money and he didn't make any money at first, but he built a community of people that were all into the same shit. And then he pivoted over and created a line of clothes and uh, uh, air fresheners and keychains and sweaters and hoodies. I mean, a whole thing, e-commerce business off of this 10,000 people following him on Facebook. And I was so impressed and so fascinated by that, that I was because I finally met somebody who did it. And I'm like, and, and I, and I got why it works so well and why so many people nowadays fail at building these businesses. Because They thought the same way I used to think, which is you turn on your Facebook, your Instagram, and you have a business, so you promote your business. You have another area or way to do that, and that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, this is our – your social media is a place where people can get better connected to you, and you want to gather as many people, like-minded people, uh, as you possibly can, and from there – You can offer a place where someone can go and make money. And the smart way to do that would be using funnels. The podcast represents a funnel. If I have your attention for an hour to two hours, uh, that is our ability to communicate our message. And from there, if you like what we have to say and you believe in what we have to say, there's a good chance you might want to purchase something that we offer. And so uh, I saw that in Taylor was blown away by that model. Um, and I was on a mission to, so when I switched on Facebook, Instagram, all that, I turned it on with the intention to build a big business off.
0: That of was the deeper fire. Like you were going to transform and show people it was possible. And you knew that that external framework would drive you. You're such an obliger, like me, man. <laughs> like you wanted to serve other people by your transformation. Like that was the real current underneath this. Was that the biggest transformation you've ever experienced in your life?
1: Oh yeah. That was uh, for sure. Physically. For sure, I've definitely had bigger mental ones, absolutely. But that was, uh, and it did a lot. It did a lot of things. It made me a way better coach. It taught me a lot. I mean, because you actually could be in those shoes. Yeah, man. I mean, I always and I'm the guy out of all of us for sure. I talk about the tracking all the time, right? I'm the big fan of the Fitbit. I'm the guy who loves fat secret app and i'm always telling people you gotta track you just gotta do it think of it like fucking school you got to get it out of the way after that whatever but i think at one just to make connect that and because i know all the schooling and books and and time i've spent in this field and how much it still broke through to me and i'm like i got 10 years in this industry all kinds of certifications and experience and brilliant minds i've been around and it still broke through to me because i finally disciplined myself to really track and then evaluate how i was feeling, what my how my body was changing, and once i did that, it mean it gave me it gave me a power that i have now that makes staying in shape almost mindless and easy. Man, and it's almost unfair.
0: I knew a little bit about your story but like thanks for sharing all those deeper nuances. Like i did not know that really it was the business that you wanted to show people that transformation was possible like that was the whole ethos behind really do you feel all three of you do you feel like that might have been the current below all three of you's mission was your transformation like you started it and then you guys caught the fire as well
2: well when we first started mind pump we had um really no social media presence except for adam's social media presence on instagram which at the time was about 20,000 followers not a huge amount but was enough to give us a little bit of a boost yeah but i remember i mean i would get on the phone because i didn't really know i had never really met adam and justin before mind pump I'd, I'd known of them because we were all top performers at 24 fitness so i'd heard their names and we all had mutual friends but i remember um i would talk to adam through social media and he would tell me like dude you got to get on instagram this is what you got to do. This is how you build a following. And I just, you know, I didn't listen. I didn't listen. Like, I don't care. I don't care. And you know, fast forward, we start mind pump and it's like, thank God he had that little bit of a following Yes. because it gave us a little bit of, you know, a little momentum when we first got started. But even with, even with the show mind pump, you know, when we first started the show, we didn't monetize for an entire year. Our goal was really to provide, and it still is. Our goal is the same. To provide as much free quality content as possible, yeah. to the point where the audience uh, they value it so much that either a they want to buy your product oh, when we just first to, just to when we you. first
1: turned it on, I'll never forget that and that it felt good and that and that I remember was like we were doing this right was when we did finally say okay here's the program that we have to sell sell and offer uh, the people that were all buying it was like it was crazy we were getting all this feedback like. I don't even care what's in it. You guys have changed my life so much. I'll just buy
2: whatever you guys are selling. I'll buy whatever
1: you sell because I feel like I owe you so much. And I was like, fuck yes.
2: This is so powerful for all
0: the coaches and trainers listening. I can't tell you, like, probably not a day goes by where somebody doesn't message me and they say, how did you get to where you are? How how do you get into podcasting? How do you create what I... You have to give. You have to give and give and give and give. And really, my question to both you guys is, in the beginning, were you giving without wanting anything back?
2: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, we knew that this could eventually turn into a business somehow. But if you start out with that, it's disingenuous. It is. And really, we... uh, And that's the thing. Like When we first sat down, when when, when all of us sat down for the first time, when we really first met for the first time, we must have talked with each other for four hours nonstop. We all had that much passion back and forth. Uh, with what we were doing, with what we wanted to change. Yes. And the underlying theme was, theme was integrity. I remember we sat there and we said to, uh, you know, we all talked amongst each other and we're like, okay, well, if this turns into a business, how are we going to monetize? What's this going to turn into? And I remember all of us thinking, like, well, we're going to have to figure out a way because we, we don't want to sell any supplements. We don't like most supplement companies. We don't like what, how the fitness industry makes money. We're not going to do any of that. We're not going to do the get fit quick you know, type programs or show the before and afters. And this is what you can do in three weeks or we don't want to do any of that because we knew it was bullshit. And so we knew it would be kind of a hard, a hard struggle if we were going to turn this into a business. So really initially it was just making an impact and in, in, in growing our audience. And really here, you know, there's a huge misconception with people who get into business in the social media world and they think that they need to have millions and millions of followers yeah. to Vanity people a living right. for themselves. They're, now of course if you have millions of followers that's easy. You've got tons and tons of volume. But that's extremely rare and it's probably not going to happen. But if you can impact a few thousand people in a real genuine way you've created yourself a nice living but in order to do that you have to impact them well, there in was, a very genuine way there was some
1: brilliance behind behind what we did too with the the programming right because we also knew so we knew that we couldn't attach ourselves to all these people uh and we knew that it would take if we once we got companies like for like for example a company i love that we're talking to right now or we're dealing with is thrive market and i absolutely love that company but that company would never touch us when we were tiny and sure. small, I mean, they—they're way bigger than that, right? right? So we knew that th- that we can't think like that. Like, it was not like okay, that's the mission. Like, grow this podcast and then get companies like that. That may never happen. So we have to be realistic with that. What can we do to make money? Uh, that we that I think that we can actually sustain this business until that time happens. And we looked at programming because we were like, man, you know what? The, there's so many programs that are all over the place, and there was
2: no good. Like legit exercise programming, probably because the guys that are selling the most of it, they're looking to, they're looking at the selling points, which are intensity, excitement, and you know,
1: like lots of marketing, and novelty. Novelty. Yeah, novelty, novelty, lots Novelty's of novelty, bit. novelty, novelty. Exactly. Yeah. Novelty you,
0: had, is kind of like the disease of the fitness space. it, is, yes. it yes. really ah, is. Man. It's so true. And yeah. this,
1: I tell you what, I, and I'm not going to put the name, the guy, buddy of ours, on blast, but we have a good friend of ours who is. Uh, a cover of a magazine model and very, very successful guy. And he did it in the fitness industry and he did it through making a name for himself and then selling pro programs online. And I remember when we first got together and we're uh, doing business together and and him talk, and this is why things we didn't go forward was because we just didn't see eye to eye. He looked at programming in the fitness industry like ice cream and everybody had their own flavor and we looked at programming very scientifically and thought we're really giving the wrong message to most people and we're trying to bedazzle everybody so much and wow them that we're not teaching them the fundamentals on the things that really are going to change their life because the clients that I actually change, which by the way, 80% of our clients don't, if we're being honest, most people don't reach their goals and they fail. So the 20%, what was common in those, I got them to do the basics really well. Let that land for everyone listening. Like what Adam just said, like that is the ultimate truth. Right. And we knew that was missing big time in programming because the guys that were selling the most programs Uh, were the ones that had the novelty. Like, whoa, I'd never done that exercise combined with that exercise. And holy cow, that kicked my ass. Those guys are making millions right now. So we saw that as a huge opportunity. They're making millions of dollars, but are they helping people lose millions of pounds? No, no,
2: no, no. 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 Maybe temporarily, but definitely not long-term. And it's terrible exercise programming. Look, I'll tell you what. Our most popular program is a one-year bundle of exercise programming. We literally tell people, we're not going to sell you a Get Fit... And thirty-day program, we refuse to do it. Our programs are, each of them are, if you do an individual one, between three to four months long. And the most popular one we have is a years long worth of exercise programming where you phase your body through different workouts and progress your body. And we can and imagine cr- trying to sell that in the fitness industry. Hey man, you want to get in shape? Yes. It's gonna take you a year. <laughs> no marketing agency. <laughs> right.
0: I got a wedding coming up in three months, yeah. Sal. Exactly. Right. Cut it right. but me, we yeah. were
2: not and that's the thing. That was the big common thing when the three of us sat down. We were like we are not going to compromise our integrity. We're right. not going to sell bullshit. Right. And we and we bet we bet that the ind- that the market would respond well because the consumers more informed today and they've heard a lot of the bullshit long enough
1: yeah. to where maybe our message can come through. Well, and, and, then it the, and, like and it seems like the is. proof is in the pudding because there's not one person we I we have met yet that has truly followed it to a T and not been blown away. And what they're blown away is by the simplicity. Of what you mean? I'm work. You want me to work out less than I've ever worked out before? Uh-huh. What you mean? I only do that many exercises? What? I- and you want me to sh- stop two two reps of failure? Like that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah,
2: everybody I, tells me I need to beat myself up, like, and I need to just know- follow it.
1: Just follow it and wow. be true to it and just watch
2: what happens.
0: Well, we'll link your program in the show notes because I actually haven't a chance to check it out yet. I would love to check it out. Okay, no um, problem. We'll give you a discount. And on top of that, <laughs> thanks, <man. laughs> Did it show me how to do bicep curls in there? Um, so one thing I want to talk about though as we wind down, man, is the emotional part of this because yes, people need to know the core pillars of movement and recovery and breath work and things like that. But what about the emotional intelligence piece? This is big, not only for wellness force, but for mind pump because look, if we're going to give people Information that works, they can't just know. They have to do. Mm-hmm. There's a gap. How do you guys fill the gap between knowing and doing? So like, this how does so, that work? so we
2: just finished a nutrition guide um, that talks about this because when you when you can get to the root uh, of these issues that we that people have with nutrition, you can solve the problem. If you don't get to the root, you'll never have a solution. You'll have temporary. Fixes that result in you getting on and off the wagon. You know this. This I'm getting. You know leaner now. I'm gaining weight, and you know this this problem that people tend to have. Uh, when it comes to nutrition, it's important to look at the different stages of learning that you move through with nutrition. Now, before I get into those, it's a level of awareness
1: like anything else. It's it is, and
2: no and I, I want And before we get into this, it's important to understand this fact right here. The best coach you will ever find. To get you into optimal health, long-term, forever, stress-free, with no anxiety, with no it's just living, and you're just fucking awesome, you're lean, you're mobile, you've got muscle, you feel incredible, is your own body. There is no coach on earth that comes with the signaling system that your body naturally evolved with. Now, I know a lot of people listening right now are thinking to themselves, well, if that's the case, then why is everybody so messed up? Why does everybody have so many problems? And I'll tell you why. We've been trained to not hear those. signals. We have been trained yes. to ignore these signals. We have been taught to ignore them to such a point that we don't even know how to listen to the signals, let alone listen to the signals when they pop up. We're taught. When, first of all, we're taught when we're children: clean your plate, ignore that that you you don't like this. Especially, or in, the but, family, especially in the Italian family, especially hundred percent. Oh, I, I experienced right? that.
0: That's you were disrespectful if you didn't clean up. Yes, the plate.
2: we are taught that foods are good or bad. We're taught to eat foods based on emotion. We're marketed to this way heavily. I love to use the example of the movie theaters. We all crave popcorn when we're at the movies. Otherwise, nobody eats popcorn. Why? We've been conditioned to associate same the thing with the diamond ring and, and
1: marriage absolutely that was De
2: beers that's Abs- a whole nother podcast absolutely do you, <laughs> absolutely
1: do you know that that you're you said that a couple times on podcast i've been meaning to tell you this stat did you know that it, i believe in the 70s that and they actually pushed the boundaries so far on that that they actually made laws and they can't do this anymore but they're used to in the films they do quick flashes of the oh yeah i've heard of sudden. this yes
0: yeah yes. used to subconscious ex- product placement. yes flash. so so we're that all so fucked up yeah. so we're they all
1: super we're all super conditioned
2: um and on top of it consider this if you look at all of the money that's in, that's put into food in the market of food, most of it goes to two places. Very very little goes to nutrition and how uh, how good it is for you. Very little. Most of it goes to palatability, and and marketing. That's it. Palatability and marketing. So let's talk about palatability for a second. What makes a food extremely palatable? Well, uh, there we have access to flavors, textures, smells, colors in combination to the point where so much money and engineering has gone into foods that they've literally learned how to ha- hijack your body's natural systems of satiety. And we've all experienced them. We've all eaten that big savory meal of Imagine steak and potatoes. Imagine if potato. we actually looked Absolutely. at something before
1: we opened it, like especially if it's in a box or a package. That, and, and before you ate it, you thought to yourself like, this was engineered to hack my system. This but is like, engineered. Someone made yes. this yeah. to-, to get
2: me to eat more of right. it. And so think of it this to way. To manipulate me.
0: So here's Lay's the potato chips bet yes. right. you can't eat just one. Absolutely. Right. Right.
1: So, That's there for a reason. They're just calling it out. That's what's great. Yeah, they're like, hey, we're going to be how honest. That's gangster they we're are. We're hijacking yeah. you. they're what, so, Lay's is so gangster <laughs> that they made their slogan, guess what? And it's, <laughs> we're not, not- we're going to
0: take advantage of you yeah. and there's nothing you can do
1: about it. I got a lot of respect for a company like that. Like, if you're going to do me dirty, I being honest. I told you they're being honest about it and
2: it's not a conspiracy it's not nefarious they're just trying to get more market share but we've all experienced this we've eaten the big savory meal we're super stuffed i can't eat anymore but then dessert comes out it's something sweet that hijacks your body's natural systems of satiety and now you can eat more food competitors know this so food is engineered to do this so that completely fucks with our systems. We have never know, We don't know what hunger really feels like because nobody ever goes without food for longer than breakfast to lunch or whatever. In fact, people will skip a meal and you hear people saying things, I get so irritable, I get so hungry. That's not true. Yeah. It's because you're conditioned to eat at lunchtime. So we don't know what hunger feels like. And there's a lot more that goes to this. In fact, the guide talks a lot about this. So if you can learn to start to read the signals, which by the way, is a long process of awareness. But if you can learn to read these signals and then learn to connect with them, you will enter into a state where you will eat just the way you eat. Which I love you'll be to healthy. interrupt him
1: always right here and tell people that hear that because a lot of people get so excited and go like, that's for me. It's a long process. That's what I want. Where do I buy this? And that is not what the message that we're delivering is because it is a process. It's a and practice. You, you gotta, yeah. I, and I tell him all the time because sometimes I, he says things so casually and I go, bro, you are so far ahead of so many people that things that you think is – so easy and basic, you got to make sure you, you preface that with, listen, this, there's levels of awareness and it's steps to get there, but ultimately that's where Here, you want to be. If
2: you don't mind, I'll give you a
1: basic step-by-step. So here's
2: basic, steps, step-by-step way to get you to this place. Uh, you're going to go back and forth a lot and it's going to take a long time, but this is a very, very easy way or a very basic way to kind of move yourself through the process. So first thing is become more mindful around the times that you eat. So- no distractions. Sit down. Don't drink fluids with your food, so you have to chew it. Think about how you feel before. In fact, you need to write down how you feel before, during, and after. It sounds like a pain in the ass, but we're going to take you from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence. You need to know what you don't know. So take those notes. Write them down. Make eating a very mindful practice. And this is start the tr- with that. This is the
1: tracking piece and yep. why I and it's important. And then supportive. start to
2: track. So like Adam's saying, then track your proteins, your fats, your carbohydrates, start taking notes of how you feel your body weight, hunger, irritability, your skin, your stool, all these different things. And start to connect the foods that you eat, the macros that you eat and the calories that you eat to these things. And here's what happens from that. If I really like, let's say I I like every morning I have to have my, my bagel, like that's just my fucking food. And and we all know this as trainers, we'll tell our client, take this food out. And it's like, we told them to cut their arm off. Mm -hmm. Right. I have to have my bagel. Well, if I and I'm but I'm I'm unaware of how the bagel is making me feel. Most people are like this. Well, if I start to connect the dots and I realize, holy crap, every time I eat a bagel, I'm lethargic and irritable and I get constipated every single time. What ends up happening is you start to make an association with that bagel and you stop liking it as much. It stops becoming a food that you crave. Now the the reverse can be said for foods that are healthy for you that you may not think you like, like broccoli, like, oh I don't really like broccoli. But let's say, you, let's say you start eating it. You become more, more mindful around it, and you notice, I feel really good. Uh, my digestion is really good. My energy is really good when I eat broccoli. You start making those associations. And the food industry already done this, but they do this with their marketing. So it's, it's a proven fact that this works. Next thing you know, I, I'm craving broccoli. I really enjoy it. So this is how you get to the process of eating in a way that truly nourishes your body. And then what you do is you take that tracking, and you start to give yourself parameters. I'm going to eat this many grams of protein, this many grams of fat, this many grams of carbs. These are my calories. And you work through this process. This is a long process. You're going to be here for a while. Once you get comfortable with that and you really know what's in food and you really understand grams of proteins, fats, carbohydrates, how I feel, what's what's going on, now it's time to transition out of that tracking phase into what I call the intuitive phase. And the way you do that is you take away days of tracking. So Mondays, I'm not going to track in the sense that I'm not going to go for targets. I'm still going to pay attention and write down what I'm eating, but I'm going to eat whatever I feel. And at this point, what you're probably going to experience is a period of binging this is when people tend to go think they're off the wagon like oh I'm not tracking I don't have to track anymore I'm and they free go off. And, that, and that's which, okay which
0: flies in the face of tracking in the first yes. place because I do want to point out to people like you're talking about sharpening an intuitive sword here my friend absolutely yes. and sharpening that sword takes time so let's breathe into the fact that this is going to activate the parts of our brain that deal with not instant gratification that's right but long term delayed gratification that's right that is a cl- big piece we get to swallow and, here.
2: and so you're going to feel like you're going off and on the wagon that's fine pay attention be mindful but Little by little, you'll be able to add intuitive days, and sometimes you'll have to take them away and go back to tracking. But over a period, and I've, I've experienced this with, cl- with this with clients, it's anywhere between, depending on the individual, six months to a couple years, if they're consistent with this practice, well, they get to a point where eating is much more intuitive. And what I mean by that is you will start to feed yourself in a way that truly nourishes the entire body. And I'm going to give one more example because people think that means you're going to eat Perfect. Not true. That means when I'm at a function with my friends and we're all connecting, we're connecting with each other. And right now, I'm feeding my emotional self. I'm feeding the connections. I'm feeding this this part of me inside of me that has nothing to do with nutrition and nutrients and proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. But it needs its fuel. Right. I might drink a little alcohol. Mm-hmm. I might enjoy the pizza. And at, and I'm not going to feel guilty or bad about it because I know I'm nourishing my body. And you have this very balanced way of living that is without stress and without anxiety. And that's the ultimate goal. And that, I truly believe, is the only way to, true ha- to have true longevity with nutrition that doesn't involve stress and guilt and fear and all that other shit.
0: Man, I have to reflect on this. And for everyone listening, like, pause right now, go back 15 minutes, listen to that whole thing again because it's the long-term approach that really wins. When I was 280, I tried probably four times, you guys, to lose weight as fast as possible. And you know what happened? It came back with interest every single time. And the only way I finally just like let it go was by just saying to myself, I don't care how long this takes, I'm just committed to figuring out how I actually can do it, Hmm. and I think that's the mindset that people get to have. The tools are important, but like, let's pre-frame getting the tools with just like surrendering to the process here. Excellent. Now I want to wrap up because we could probably record the entire day (laughs) Uh, because I love you. I love doing this with you guys. Love you too, brother. Um, the the one question that i always ask guests and, and i and this is cool because you're at the stage in your life where you know technically people in their uh, mid 30s late late 30s early 40s the hormones are not really on their side and society says well this is the time when you start looking at medications and worrying about everything how would you define real wellness in your life like what does real wellness mean to you
2: I, I you know real wellness may mean something from different from person to person or at least it may look different from person to person but what it means to me is uh, peace. when you when you' when you have true wellness, Ooh. you feel at peace. You don't feel a super hyper excited uh, manic. you don't feel depressed and shitty. you just feel good, you feel good in your skin. you're comfortable with the way you feel. The way you look is kind of an afterthought. you've got good relationships with your friends and family. you know when it's time to meditate, you know when it's time to kick ass in the gym. Um, it's just it's just a state of being that feels very. Peaceful. And I've only met one person in my life that I think exemplifies that on all aspects, and he's a 55 year old. He's the godfather of wellness, Paul Check, and meeting him, Paul meeting him really it was, really solidified that for me. When I met him and I saw him and I saw how he was and he just is who he is and he's very and he's you know deadlifts four hundred pounds, but then he's you know, he does you know, he paints and meditates and he's got crystals and then he reads biology books and writes patents for we, We've talked you know,
0: about Czech many times. Nope. And, um, and he just yeah.
2: exemplifies it and, and the thing that I got from him wasn't necessarily what he did. Like I don't think that's what wellness is gonna look like for me. Right. But I could see how it felt. And he was very calm with himself and very peaceful and very comfortable in his own skin. And that's what I think wellness is. Man, that
0: was so powerful. It's the resilience, really. Like Paul has gone through a lot of changes. He's an old dog in a new kind of digital fitness world. Mm-hmm. So he's adapting. But yet, whenever I see him online, he just did a two-part series on What the, the what the Health movie. Uh, he's so calm. Even when he articulates- It's peace, man. Yeah. It's
1: always from a place of peace. Yes. Yeah. Um, what is What does wellness mean to you, Adam? So- it's very similar to Sal, as far I, I hundred percent would say peace, and I just think our peace is different, mm-hmm. right? So I think there, I have different things that that matter to me, and I think I'm really close. I think I'm really close to my true wellness. I don't think we ever really get there. I think we're always kind of in the we'll no finish line, right? There, and I don't think I want a finish line. I don't think I think I would get bored if I oh I figured this all out. So I think at part of that right is embracing that maybe i'll i'll never fully have true wellness but i feel like i'm honed in better than i've ever been in my entire life um and for me it's like actually kind of learning to pull away from the stuff that we talk so heavily about on the show of macros and nutrients and bodybuilding and the weights and all the and pulling myself from that and actually evaluating the rest of my life uh because we definitely believe that that is absolutely a part of that my relationships i know an area right now, and because uh, I like to give things and be completely transparent with people uh, where where I know that i 'm not right where I want to be is like in my my best friends, I have very close friends of mine that have been very, very important to me my entire life, and I have been very focused on this business for the last couple of years, and you know when you 're building something like this, something 's got to give. I know what it takes to mm-hmm. do something uh out of the ordinary and create something so huge. Uh, you are for sure uh, going to be out of whack. I know that, and I, but I'm okay with that at this time in my life. Where I'm currently at, what we're trying to do, I, I know that I'm not completely balanced. And when I find, when and I, and I know, just like we talk about intuitive eating, there's an intuitiveness about me when I'm at a place in business and financially and all that stuff that all of a sudden I go, I'm here.
0: You just hit the biggest chord with me, man. This is why I love podcasting with you guys, because I feel like I'm right there. We look at health wealth relationships. I'm in that wealth building phase. And so I intuitively feel like I was actually talking to Shauna from Organifi the other day. I was like, yeah, I go through moments where I'm so stoked about life and what I'm building and what we're creating with wellness force. And then there's these little voices that come up that says you're lonely. Mm. You're a little bit lonely, aren't you, Josh? Mm. And I'm like, yeah. Sometimes I feel lonely, but I'm also creating the castle. Right. I'm also creating the kingdom right now. So I know that that's a temporary thing and we aren't our feelings. We aren't our emotions. As you know, we're the observer mm-hmm. behind all those mm-hmm. things. So you guys so stoked to come here and be at Spartan world. And uh, if you guys have questions for Adam and Sal or Justin, please you know, post a review and in your review for wellness Force, just type your question to us. And um, I'll have the guys ping you back. Oh, so. we'd love to, man. Yeah, yeah we yeah. love you and your audience. Always. Appreciate Thanks, it. Man. Always, guys. Always a good time with you, brother. Live from Spartan World, Adam, Sal, Josh, we're out. Peace. Hey, my friend, thank you for hanging out and growing with me on today's show. Remember to hit subscribe, share this podcast with somebody you care about that you think gets to hear this message. Support the show by leaving a five-star review for the podcast right now, simply by tapping on your show artwork on your iPhone. Click that purple link that says review this podcast. It helps the show reach more conscious and smart people like you, and your voice will attract more world-class guests that want to come on the show. So let them hear your voice. For all the downloads, videos, links, and free resources mentioned on the episode, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash radio. And while you're at my house on the web, join us in the Wellness Force Community Newsletter on that page, and I'll send you four free guides around staying healthy with your eating, moving, and sleeping while you travel. Join a group of people like you over at the Wellness Force Community Facebook page. This is where we talk about the things that really matter. We share our wins, inspirations, struggles, and a lot more. So join us, tap on the show artwork on your phone, and hit that purple link that says join the Facebook group and I will welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and create impact for the people that you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.